Hello and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunderland preview podcast. Sunderland followed up two 2-2 draws with their first away defeat of the season at Shrewsbury Town on Tuesday, but faced probably one of their sternest tests of the season um, at home to Doncaster Rovers this Saturday. To preview Sunderland versus Doncaster Rovers, my friend and returning guest Adam from Into the Empty Net. How are you, Adam? I'm good, thank you. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, same as I am on a weekly basis, just <laughs> kind of getting more and more depressed in a sea of horrendous League One performances. But what do you do? We're, we're stuck here now. We're entrenched in it. If it wasn't funny, it would be depressing, wouldn't it? So, But I think no. you might be slight in a slightly better mood, but maybe not much more. I think um, this is going to sound bad now coming on the back of a defeat. But first things first, I'll be the first to admit when we last played, I felt Doncaster, if I'm honest, based on that one game, were one of the worst sides we faced this season. And I'm solely basing it on that one game. And obviously, you scored 93rd minute. Now, if that is a state, if that statement doesn't show that I know absolutely nothing about football, is that's not just sheer evidence that I know nothing at all about football. I don't know what is, because um, you've been on a pretty phenomenal run since. So, what's happened with Doncaster Rovers since uh, we last spoke? Yeah, I mean, well, every time you know, every time we talk about. You know, Rovers, I think it seems the games with Sunderland or the games around when we talk about the club are like anomalies. Um, you know, we have been on a brilliant run. It's ended against Fleetwood, which, you know, I half expected. And we can't, you can't win every game forever. Um, I don't need to tell Sunderland fans that. <laughs> you know, and, you know, we'll try and go again now and try and build another run. But, you know, we got beat by Shrewsbury. That were our last defeat um, before the Fleetwood game. Um, other than that, it's been pretty plain sailing and, and we've been enjoying ourselves flying up the league and, and competing at the top, which, yeah, uh, probably we didn't expect to to win nearly every game since that Sunderland game. We weren't very good on the day. We, you know, we nicked a draw last minute, didn't we? And, uh, you know, probably barely deserved it. Um, I, I have no major complaints about, about Doncaster Rovers, which is nice to say. Um, Darren Moore's doing a brilliant job. Uh, you know, most of the players are performing very well and we've we've responded really well to losing Ben Whiteman last month. So overall, pretty pleased. And to be sat third in the league at the moment is uh, well far better than I think any of us really expected at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think both football clubs, well, I'm saying both football clubs were in a, a relatively similar situation with a different mask on, I think. Um, but we're all in kind of different situations the last time, but very much yourselves. I mean, I think a lot of the time, because of how bad something to do. And sometimes you kind of forget what's going on in League One elsewhere. But I think everyone sort of noticed that you have been on this phenomenal run. Has it been like one defeat in the last 10 or 11 or something like that prior to tonight's game? Yeah, um, nine wins in 10 games. It was um, four wins in a row, not long after that Sunderland game at the Keepmo. And then we lost to Shrewsbury and then we won five in a row in the league before losing to Fleetwood. So um, I think we've only drawn three all season, but the opposite Sunderland, we don't draw many. Um, so yeah, um, it's it's been mostly wins. Beat Blackburn in the FA Cup, which was a very nice uh, result as well. And obviously lost to West Ham, um, as you'd expect. But um, overall, the form has been good. The performances have been pretty good. Last last three games, I suppose, have, have not been as good. Uh, a bit more defensive rearguard action to beat Lincoln, and I think Oxford. It was a case of taking the chances that came rather than being good throughout the 90 minutes because we certainly weren't and against Fleetwood we weren't good for even one minute so uh, but overall definitely been positive play positive uh, results and everything has been trending in the right direction yeah 
In terms of the the teams both being in a, a bit of a different situation to when we last played in November, because you know football moves fast. I just wanted to go back to that game, I suppose, in specific, because we're all in the the part of this preview show where we're playing our second game of the season, where we're coming up against a team we've played already in almost every circumstance. Um, I think that day we had three at the back. Remy Matthews was playing, Conor McLaughlin at centre back, uh, Hume, Gooch, White, Maguire up front. Um, bit of a different side of what you'd see now with Sunderland. But um, what did you what did you make of the game and um, how if you can remember that far back? Yeah, it was another. It lived up to I think my expectations of what the Sunderland and Donny games have been uh, over the last couple of seasons. I think I'm sure we discussed it in plenty of depth last time. And yeah, it, it, you know it wasn't a game full of quality. Not that it was a poor game either. But you know both sides kind of scratched and clawed for chances. Um, and obviously, you know, Sunderland got ahead. And from my recollection, you went ahead and everyone said, yeah, that's been coming and fair enough. And then for the rest of the game, uh, seemed to sit back and really just let us come on to you, which which is not, not many teams do that. Most teams we come up against either let us attack them for the whole 90 minutes or try and play around us and play football, which, to be fair, more often than not, can work if you've got the quality. I mean, crew did a number on us um, uh, the keeper that only two home defeats this season. The first one was Crew, and they, you know, they did a number on us in that sense. They played the ball around us and got two good goals and won the game. Whereas for Sunderland to to get ahead and were pressing the advantage, I thought to then kind of sit off and, and invite the pressure as the game wore on, it, it it just looked like a recipe for disaster, and it proved it. I think we got a ninety third minute equaliser, didn't we? And that's probably one of the only times this season we've done that. Then we did it at Wimbledon as well, but. Um, Usually it's it's not something we're we're good at is snatching a draw or a win at last minute. So um, I think a lot of the fans after that game, the Rovers fans, were a bit like not feeling lucky, but but feeling like maybe we were given more of a chance than we should have been in that second half. And I think you probably put that down to the manager, who's obviously not there anymore, um, and I would imagine was one of the final straws for him uh, for Parkinson. Yeah, I think so. I think it was only a few games afterwards. I, I can remember being quite surprised at it happening at the time, but looking back, I'm, I'm I'm not. I think I was more surprised that the chairman did anything about anything at the time. But obviously, there's been a few things potentially changing in, in that. Well, I think there is something due to be happening in the next few days, hopefully, with a takeover announced, but rumours are rumours. Um, I think my overbearing memory of that game was i seen everything that happened coming. I've seen us taking the lead. I've seen us... I seen you not really having a chance, but us sitting back far enough that at one point someone would mess something up and something would go in. I think Lee Johnson spoke a little bit tonight about um I don't know if it used the exact word, but fragility. And uh I think Sunderland have had that for about three seasons. But when you're a uh, opposition fan, especially in your circumstance with the last game that we played, can you almost feel that fragility with Sunderland? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um I mean, we don't ever really feel like we're out of games. I mean, even against Fleetwood, where we were, you know, really putting nothing good together in, in the attacking third. Uh, I still didn't really feel we were out of it until they got the late third goal. Um, and we've only lost by more than a goal in the league under Darren Moore twice, including uh, that game. So I, I never feel we're out of it. But yes, um, it did feel like Sunderland were there to be got at a little bit, I suppose. I don't I don't think we really played to our level that day. Um but, you know, it did feel like we always had a, a chance to get a foot back in the game and, and it, it did come in the end. Not not that it was like, a, you know, inevitability or a, a barrage of chances because it wasn't at all. But, you know, we did know that if we can make that one good chance, we can take it. And I think uh, 
combination of that and a little bit of um, a defensive lapse in, in, at the death gave us the point there that day. I, I think Sunderland have... I, I, yeah, I mean, you've had two or three different managers as well when we've played you, but every time it's been a bit like, you know, Sunderland have never felt like a, an unstoppable force that maybe some of the teams that drop into this league do feel like when you come up against them. Um, they always feel like they can be beaten. Uh, last season, again, I'm, you know, we discussed this in depth before, but last season, you know, we narrowly beaten at home uh, in a game that we probably deserved to lose, but at the same time came away from it thinking, well, we, we probably could have got something from that and, and got the nil-nil draw at, at Stadium Alight in January that, you know, I, th- I think we could have won that game and and um, I think Sunderland were uh, makers of their own downfall kind of thing. Uh, as I've seen in games as well, not against us when I've watched you in League One as well. I mean, you know, I, I do think you shoot yourselves in the foot <laughs> a few too many times and, you know, maybe the same, I haven't obviously seen the game with Shrewsbury yet, but maybe the same thing again. Um Oh, yeah, so much, so much. People listening to this will be saying, Remy Matthews, Remy Matthews, Remy Matthews. Just shoot, I think shooting yourselves in the hand would probably would probably help him more than hinder him at the minute, to be completely honest. But um, <laughs> yeah, 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 I think you nailed it last time. I think you pretty much nailed it again. Yeah, Masters are run downfall, incredibly fragile. Um, I think before I go into the, the run that you've been on, I certainly don't want to labour on your game that you've had tonight, but I've got to give myself some sort of hope. Um Obviously, it didn't work out tonight against Fleetwood. I've only looked at the statistics because we're talking right in the aftermath of the game, like literally minutes afterwards. It looked like they had more shots on target, more possession. Uh, what went wrong this evening? Yeah, I mean, we never really got going. I mean, he's Darren Moore likes to, he changes the team every single game and he puts players in positions we never think they're going to be in. Most of the time it works, let's be fair. Tonight, um, John Bostock and Scott Robertson, both new players in midfield, both made the first starts. I don't think... The cohesion was there. You know, we rely on control in midfield, possession of the ball. Um, and we've done well without Whiteman, to be fair, who used to be the, the main focal point of that. Matt Smith's done a great job and he was by no means bad tonight. But I, I don't think that the cohesion was there and nor did we have the urgency. I think Bostock, you know, he's not played since, well, he's not played since last summer. And he barely played last season, to be honest, on loan at Forest. So I didn't expect him to be all guns blazing, but he was a little bit um, not quite on the pace at times. Nice touches, good passing. And you can tell he knows where to be on the pitch, but, you know, he wasn't quite uh, on the pace. And I don't think Robertson really um, had had the best game either. You know, I'm sure there's more to come from him. And we, we just didn't play to our best strengths. Um, the ball kept going down the left-hand side when both Cameron John and Reese James just did not have good games. Um, we were not quick enough in our movement, speed of thought, movement of the ball, Um I mean, I could I could go on and on, you know, to be honest. But uh, one of those nights where, you know, you, you look for five or six different things that might win you a game. None of them were there tonight. Um, none of the players had a brilliant game. Uh, we lost our captain after about 10 minutes. Uh, Tom Anderson, unfortunately, might have a concussion. That were a big blow as well. Um, and, we, you know, there was some sloppy defending for them goals we conceded in second half. But Hopefully a one-off because we've we've not played like that very often at all under Darren Moore. I mean, maybe I can carry it on one hand two or three times we've played like that. Um, hopefully we don't repeat it on Saturday, but uh, we, we shall see how we respond. Talk there about um, your midfield that you brought in. John Bostak feels like he's been around for like 50 years or something like that. And yet I don't think he's actually that old. And um, I think Robertson, when you say Robertson, you brought that in from Celtic, didn't you? I've just reminded mm-hmm. myself of that. Um so obviously you've got experience, you've got a really young, a really young lad in midfield there that has had six months at Gillingham, but I don't think he set the world alight. Um, is that the first time they've played together then? 
Yeah, well, it's it's first time um, we've seen either of them start. Um, Bostock played five minutes against Oxford off the bench as a makeshift striker. So, you, you know, you didn't glean anything from that. Um, it, it was the first time either of them had, had really played. Um, and, you know, James James moved back out to left wing where he'd done well earlier in the season, but he's really come on as like a central midfielder, a bit box to box. And, and he looked a bit, not lost, but I just don't think he was able to do his usual good work from that left-hand side today. Um, midfield was just not not with it. Um, Taylor Richards has been the main man the last few games. He, he gets the ball, drives on and really competes in the middle. But even when he came on, he didn't really get get going at full speed and neither did Magic Gomez. He's coming back from injury, but um, made a shocking mistake for second goal. A, a soft back pass from the halfway line that let Madden in um, for an easy goal. And uh, yeah, uh, no matter what we tried tonight, it just didn't work. Sometimes that happens in League One, I think, doesn't it? Really, it's um, I think this this league you're not going to win every game, but it's whoever's the most consistent and best organised. It seems that the longer that we're here, but um, you touched before on, on Reese James. Uh, we touched on it a little bit before, but I, I kind of I'm so intrigued by the fact that like a a random left back basically for Sunderland has turned into a really decent promote like box to box midfielder for a promotion chasing team. Um, why did he go into midfield and why does that work so well from him in midfield? Because Sunderland fans are going to find that bizarre. Yeah, um, genuinely, I think if someone asked me who our top three performers have been this season, he'd be in there, Rhys James. Um, he's 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 got really good technical ability that maybe you, you don't see so much of at left-back in League One, usually. Um, Darren Moore has, has been moving players around all, all season. He did it a bit last year. We've discussed it before because he did it. He did it with James. James was the first real player that he did it with against Sunderland last season, and it did work. Um, he moved him further forward into midfield. Uh, he's done the same with Brad Halliday. Um, he's played in midfield a few times and, and looked all right, even though he's a very accomplished right back ordinarily. I think Darren Moore liked James's movement, his technical ability. Um, certainly, he can tackle, and I think it's maybe originally it's born out of wanting a bit more size in the back four. Cameron John plays at left back now. Um, he's definitely got limitations, but he, he is physical and he's very athletic. Um, and so having like four pretty tall, pretty strong defenders helps us defend set pieces, helps us defend a lot of the teams who, you know, no disrespect, but a lot of the bottom half teams in League One like to kick it up in air and get it up to a big striker. Um, and that is the main tactic. I know Sunderland have got a big striker, but I, I don't think it's your main tactic. I might be wrong. Um, I don't know what ours is, to be honest. <laughs> But, you, you know, so a lot of teams do that. So I understand him wanting to kind of put John in there. And sometimes we'll put Joe Wright at right back instead of Halliday to do the same thing on the other side. And James has just kind of stepped up in midfield when we've needed a bit of a driving force, um, certainly before Richards had this good run. And at time, if you look at some of the goals James has scored and been involved in, he's playing like a, an attacking midfielder who's who's got real qualities. He scored some good goals. Um, and yeah, he's not really put a foot wrong. I mean, it wasn't a good game for him tonight, but I think he's maybe better off in the middle. He, he played the last 15 minutes in the centre, but um, by that point, I think the game was lost. And, you know, I, I don't think he's, he's really been a box-to-box as such, but he, he, he can get up and down the pitch really well, and, and he links play forward really well, which not all of our midfielders are, are very good at. Um, so, I mean, I'd have no reservations in, in him staying there going forward, although He's probably our best left-back as well. But, uh, yeah, the versatility he's shown has been brilliant. Uh, I don't know where it's come from quite either. I suppose um, Darren Moore's just found something else in him through training, through seeing him play over this last year or so or whatever. 
and, and it's working. Yeah, it's working very well. He's he's been the best of the players that have been asked to play out of position, as it were. Um, but there's there's been a few, and most of them have done a good job. To be fair, good or bad for us. Um, I think, like I said, like when we last spoke, uh, you talked about aims for the season, and I think I haven't listened back to it, but from memory, it was. Yeah, we should be pushing for the playoffs. People understand us being seventh or eighth or something like that. But at the same time, we want to be pushing for the playoffs. We think we've got a good enough squad. Now, I'm talking before tonight's game. I'd probably have to double-check this. But as far as I can see, looking at the league table, you're currently three points behind Lincoln with two games in hand. You're top of the league. You're level on points with Hull. You've got three games in hand on them. So probably a stupid question here, but surely the aim now is to go for the title. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're in the promotion race and I think for me, yes, the expectation has had to change. I mean, we're four points off the top now, but we've got games in hand on everybody apart from Accrington. Um, and we've still got a seven-point cushion to the the playoffs, which is currently Sunderland in seventh. So, um, yes, the expectation has stepped up and I think everyone's, everyone's really been enjoying being on this great run and, and pushing up the table and, you know, talking about, you know, where can where can promotion be won and how can we you know get there and you know looking at those fixtures coming up we're on a really tough run of games I will say um, a lot of these wins have been against sides in the bottom half but you know we we got a run now we're in the middle of it now of about eight games against teams in the top half and we won the first two so um, you know obviously lost Fleetwood and and Sunderland is another tough game for us but um, I don't know if the expectation is the title but I mean I suppose four points off the top with games in hand halfway through the season you can't. You can't say we're not uh, hoping to push for the title. Um, I certainly will be happy with a playoff place. My expectation personally doesn't change too much from let's try and get a playoff place. Um, but because, you know, I mean, as, as much as winning five games in a row, and we've done it a couple of times now, we could very easily go on a losing run and suddenly be chasing chasing it again, the top six. But from what I've seen this season of other teams, I don't think there's anybody who was going to run away with it like Luton did two seasons ago when they, you know, they went on a real good run second half of the season and pulled away. I don't think that's going to happen with any of these sides. I don't think there's any team in the league that we are definitely worse than. And I think there's a lot of sides we're probably better than uh, when we play well. Um, so, yeah, yes, we can go for the title. Yes, uh, I think it would be not a minimum expectation, but it would be disappointing now if we're not in the promotion race for the next few months. But, um, you know, Yes, it's probably stepped up from happy to be seventh or eighth to happy to be in the top six. And hopefully uh, we need to push on now and just be consistent. Hopefully keep as many of the, the, the best players fit as we can and, and really just have a go because um, Darren Moore's put together a really good squad uh, and really added to it in January from what we, we've seen and what we expect, you know, when everyone gets in and fit and ready. Um, Josh Sims still to come back in. Um, so... Yeah, uh, definitely looking up the table rather than down and feeling like we can give it a go. We we will we'll see. When it comes to the run that you had, because I'm going back to the last game we had, it was November. It's actually only three months. And I know three months is a hell of well, a week's a long time in football, isn't it? But can you pinpoint where things started to change in terms of not just your form, but I suppose the expectations and stuff like that? Was there any specific game or moment where you thought, hang on a minute, something's clicked here? I can't think of a, a specific moment. I mean, uh, I think a big turning point, if you look back at it, is uh, we, we played Northampton away. Uh, was, that was around the same time as the Sunderland game, maybe just after. Uh, and we won 2-0. Um, it was the first game of the season that Andy Butler played in in the league. Um, 
Yeah, it was early November. Uh, and um, we played uh, that first time we played the four centre-halves as a back four. Uh, and it worked a treat. Uh, and it, it showed that we kind of, we'd found a way to beat the sides who were lower down the table because we'd lost a crew, we'd lost a Plymouth not long before that. And we thought, here we go again, you know, we're doing well and beating top sides. Um, we'd done a good run, beat Portsmouth, Charlton, Ipswich and lost to struggling sides like Wigan and, and Crew. Um, the crew aren't struggling anymore, but they look like they, you know, were a bottom were, side at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, from that point on, we that was the first time we went on a winning run and, and we, we kind of had a bit more controlling games and a way to like be clinical as well. And we have kept that up. We've we've been really good at. I think there's only two games we've not scored in this season. Um, and we've been really good at just finding ways to get goals in games, even when we're not playing brilliantly. Um, so that's you know that's probably the turning point. And I won't put it all down to Butler, but Butler is a really good uh, influence on the pitch. He's really strong. Uh, you know, obviously he's really experienced, and he's come in and, and just really shored things up. And it's kind of allowed the players further forward, knowing that they've got a more solid backline than we've maybe had in the past. Um, to just kind of have a bit more time on the ball and, and be a bit more uh, creative with it, which certain players like Richards and, you know, Whiteman when he were here, I suppose, Richards and Sims were the big ones before Christmas, have been able to really thrive and, and be productive. Um, I, you know, not you know if that's, that's one game rather than a moment, I suppose, but I don't think we've lost more than two games since then. So it, there's certainly something to it. And, uh, you know, Darren Moore's found a formula that definitely works. Talking about the, and again, I'm I'm looking at score lines. I'm looking at stats, which is basically football played on paper, which doesn't tell the full mm. story. And that's probably evident by the fact that you touched on Butler there being one of the obviously the key players. But on paper, from a opposition side, from a Sunderland side, um, Taylor Richards and I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, but I believe it's Onikaburi is the Onikaburi. Onikaburi. I was close. That actually wasn't too bad. Um, <laughs> But you can evidently see that's where the goals are coming from. Um, and at the end of the day, goals win games. So how good is their form just now? You've touched on Taylor Richards already, but how good are the pair of them? Yeah, they've both been really good. Okinabiri struggled a bit first half at season. Mm -hmm. um, everyone was ready for him to be like the leading man and, and get all the goals at the start. And then we started the season without him in the team. Um, we brought Tyrese John-Jules in on loan from Arsenal and Darren Moore went with him up front, which a lot of people said, oh, you know, we want to see a bit more from uh, Faye. I will say, you know about the name pronunciation. We've only just found out after a year at the club. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 correct, he corrected the journalists on this. Everyone's been calling him either Fajiri or Fahiri with a silent J. He yeah. said it's actually Fajiri. Fajiri. So, Fay. Fay Okinabiri. Fay works. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fay works, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, yeah. Start of the season and he wasn't really in the team. So then when he was coming on in fits and starts and he wasn't really looking on the pace and people were saying, some were saying, well, he don't look up to it. Others were saying, well, he's not had the chance. When he got in the team and he got he got a run when, I think, I don't know if John Jules got injured or if we just moved him out to left for a bit. Um, he started scoring again and he's just hit form. He's one of those players, you know, once he's got a goal, he, he will bag a few and he's been in great form. I think he got his 11th or 12th goal of the season last Saturday against Oxford. And the good goals as well, usually. I know the, the one against Sunderland was very scrappy, goal line scramble kind of thing, but he's he, he scored some good goals. He kind of takes, if he takes on a shot early, if you give him enough room, 20 yards, 18, 16 yards from goal, just to have a quick shot at goal, he normally finds the target and gets it in the corner. Um, he's got really good finishing ability. Um, the thing with Faye is he's much better, I think, running off the shoulder, running the channels and running off the shoulder of the last defender and trying, kind, trying to get a run on maybe the slower defenders or someone on the turn. Whereas a lot of the time in our formation, 
playing as a lone striker. He's playing with his back to goal and he's chasing down, you know, balls forward. And it's not his game. He's not a big physical striker. Some might think he, he is, and he, he's he's capable of holding the ball up, but his strength is running off the shoulder. He, we, I think it was Burton away. Obviously, not a great side, but um, you know you've got to beat what's in front of you. Uh, we won three one, but early doors. Um, Reese James played a lovely little turn and pass, cut through the middle, beating the offside trap. Not Kinabiri just just ran inside off the shoulder of the the right fullback off the left wing rather than from a central area. Ran on and just and just banged the goal in underneath the goalkeeper, and you thought it's that easy. He makes it look easy because when he can run off the shoulder, he just needs that little pocket of space. And I think one of the keys for for Sunderland to stop you know, him is to kind of restrict him as much as he can. I don't, you know, if you're not playing three at the back anymore, then it might be a bit more tricky to do, but um, Fleetwood played three at the back and they did crowd him out a bit. Um, but if he's allowed just a little yard or two of space, especially in a crowded penalty area, he's generally pretty good at firing off a shot and finding the target. So as far as, you know, as far as Faye goes, he's, he's been in good form and, and doing well. He's the one thing I will say, he might be a little bit tired at the moment because um, until we signed Bogle, who, played, who got his debut tonight off the bench. Um, he's been the only fit striker, so he's been playing 90 minutes, um, you know, twice a week, and he's been running to ground a bit, but he's still scoring. So Taylor Richards, he's, he's one of those players who's just got a bit of that X factor about him. He's one of the, you know, one of those young players. We see him a lot from Premier League teams. Um, he's got a lot of, you know, really good ability, and I think he's quite an intelligent player. Um, I think, you know, from what I've heard and what, They've said as well, you know, about what Richards has said himself and what Darren Moore said. He's got a lot of flack in his youth career at, at um, Man City and Brighton for maybe his application and maybe his, um, his you know, his mentality. But um, I think Darren Moore's really found a bit of motivation in him. And certainly as this last six weeks or so have gone, he's been brilliant. He's been unplayable at times. He's, he's got a knack for, he, he kind of wins a 50-50 that looks like a 30-70 against him. And he'll come away with the ball and space to drive forward. And every time he gets a bit of room in midfield, he will look to go forward. He will look to find room and he'll look to shoot. And he's, most of his goals recently have been from 20, 25 yards. And uh, I think it does a disservice sometimes when players, uh, not players, when fans say, oh, it's a bit of a daisy cutter or maybe that were lucky. Because I think what he does, he kind of guides the ball into the smallest space that he can find through defences, past goalkeepers. Uh, I think he can be a really, really good player, probably at a higher level than this in years to come. Um, he's kind of driven our midfield for the last few weeks since Whiteman's gone. Not, not in like the the passing sense or or in the movement sense, but just when he gets on the ball, he wants to attack and he wants to get the ball towards goal, which not many of our players do every time they get the ball. But he's one of the ones that does, um, and and certainly he he's done very well recently. And I think Darren's trying to manage his minutes a bit. He's only twenty years old, and fair enough. He normally comes off after about an hour or comes on after about an hour. And he, tonight he came on after an hour. Showed a bit, a bit of him, his usual style, but you know, well, we just never got good in that game. But yeah, uh, he's been brilliant recently, and I'm, I'm very glad that he's here for the season. I have a look to see if he came up against us when we played, because when we got to the the Checker Trade final, which I will always refer to as the Checker Trade or the Pizza Trophies, as now known, um, we played City under twenty ones, I think, and I was just checking there as you were speaking to see if we came up against them, but apparently we didn't. But for those who aren't aware, he started at Man City's academy and went to Brighton, didn't he? Obviously. Mm. I think everyone's seen recently with Brighton are a good football side and they definitely have a certain way of playing. So you can understand, again, maybe why, as we touched on last time, Darren Moore's, Darren Moore's looked at Brighton as a club where you can bring in a player on loan and really kind of maybe buy into the style that I think from what I've seen Doncaster tend to play. But in terms of loan signings, the, the big one that stuck out for me when we played 
probably the only one on that particular game was Josh Sims. You've touched him recently. I noticed he, I noticed he went, but then he's he's came back in January. Um, but I noticed he wasn't even in the squad for the Fleetwood game. Are we likely to see him Saturday? Was there a reason for that? Yeah, he's, he's he did his hamstring unfortunately in December uh, whilst he were on loan to us. I think it was against Swindon, just running for a ball down wing. One of them. There's been a few of them this season. Um, so unfortunately, he's he's not been available. I think that's maybe one of the reasons we got him back. To be fair, he went back to Southampton. Uh, it were only a half season loan, um, and I think they wanted to sell him because he's out of contract in the summer. Ah. But um, I think as the month of January wore on, and maybe we him still being injured, uh, maybe the offers didn't come in. Uh, Southampton were willing to loan him out again, and, and Sims, to his credit, turned down Championship teams to come back here. Um, I think he enjoyed his football them few months, and he were he were brilliant. He, uh, an assist every other game. Uh, I think he's maybe still in top five for assists in League One, even though he hasn't played for two months, which is fantastic. Um, I, I don't think you'll see him on Saturday, which is good news for Sunderland. He might be fit for the bench, but certainly uh, he's someone that will be easing back in. I think, and if if you do see him, it'll be for twenty minutes at the end, maybe if we if we need. Uh, he, he's been brilliant, though. I mean. He's a player who's just clearly a cut above this level, and I think Darren Moore did very well to get him on loan, and he and he's he's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, so we're all looking forward to him uh, coming back in and hopefully helping us to push on. And getting him back is maybe as important as any of the new players we brought in in January, and is one of the main reasons I think that the fans, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, the fans are quite keen now to see us get into the playoffs at bare minimum because Sims feels a bit like a cheat code, <laughs> as some of the the younger fans say. Because his pace is lightning, uh, his quality is fantastic, and he scores goals as well. Uh, yeah, uh, brilliant player, and uh, we're looking forward to getting him back. But I think uh, Sunderland might be let off the hook. <laughs> it's, it's typical with Southampton players. I was looking, obviously, we brought in uh, Jake Vokins in, and I'm judging him so harshly after two games, bless him. But um, somehow we've managed to do that thing where we, we needed a left back, and it appears we brought in one that is just probably not ready for the rigors of League One football. Yeah. It's quite easy to ping the ball over his head, um, which is a bit scary. But two games in, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, I hope he proves me wrong and this gets recorded and played back to him and <laughs> he, I get it on my face. But <laughs> Southampton have got a good academy set up. Um, I think Alfie Jones has done really well recently, come down to League One as well. And there's probably countless others that I can't think of off the top of my head. So it's no real surprise, I suppose, that the likes of Josh Sims have done, done really, really well. Um, perhaps... And you've touched on it a little bit, but not in full. Perhaps one of the most impressive things about Doncaster's recent form, I think it would be, I mean, I don't watch you every week, but I'm probably right in saying that I think Ben Whiteman was probably your best player, um, at least on paper and, you know, from what you were saying before. And also he was the captain, I think, as well. So yeah, huge loss there when you lose any part of your spine, which obviously he was in the midfield. He went to Preston and I kind of thought, oh, well, that's kind of probably them going to drop out ever so slightly. But you haven't. You've actually done, if anything, you've, you've got better. Um, how did you feel about the loss of him first and foremost? Though? Yeah, well, gutted, obviously. I mean, you, you bang on. He, he were our best player, um, in my opinion, and in quite a few people's opinion, the best midfielder in the league um, and was our captain. Uh, as consistent as they come, uh, a really great character and a really quality footballer. It, it really wouldn't surprise me if he went on to play in the Premier League. Um you know, in years to come, he's only 24, I think, still. So plenty of time for him to grow as well. Big loss for us, but also not a mega surprise. And certainly when he went, obviously, you know, fans, despite the inevitability maybe of it, disappointed and maybe saying, oh, maybe this is us in trouble now. We're going to do well to to stick with it without him. Especially, you know, some fans as well are a bit like, oh, well, why is it Preston? Why is it not somebody bigger or better? And it's like, well, come on, they're a championship side, well-established now. You know, we are a League One team, end of the day. 
not every one of our good players is going to be poached by your Southamptons and Sunderlands and Leicesters as it did used to be. Our, you know, when we were a Championship club, it used to be those bigger clubs, but we were a better better team then as well. So what can you do? Um, a big loss for us, but at the same time, you know, because he did make us tick. But at the same time, I think centre midfield, it's something that you can work on a different style of play. And I think Darren Moore has immediately decided I'm not going to replace Whiteman. I can't, so I'm going to try and find a different way to play. And uh, he's done that. He's kind of put more numbers in midfield now. It's still the four-five-one sort of thing, but it's more of a three than a two and one, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, yeah, no, totally does. Yeah, and you know, Matt Smith, another another loanee on loan from Man City. Uh, he stepped up brilliantly. He were already doing well, but he was doing more of the um, the sitting alongside Whiteman and tidying it up kind of thing in the first half of the season. A bit like Ben Sheaf did last year for us. He's at Coventry now. Yeah, um, and that Whiteman's gone and Smith. Smith has been the man, really, who stepped in to be the playmaker a little bit. Again, not quite doing exactly the same role as Whiteman because he's not he's not really taking the ball off the defence and driving it forward. But he's he's the one who's looking for the you know the slide rule passes and the Hollywood passes. And if you if you go back and if anyone listening wants to go back and look at some of the assists he's got in the last few weeks, including against Fleetwood, they've been brilliant. Uh, he he played a a pass low on the ground, cutting through the defence uh, to the left wing against. Oh, I forgot, uh, Rochdale, I want to say Rochdale, a couple of weeks ago at home, uh, and we scored from it, and it was just absolutely magnificent, uh, kind of pass you don't see at this level. He's done something similar tonight against Fleetwood for Lakilo, the our only goal, the opening goal, before it all went wrong. You know, just turning, just kind of played a ball uh, across field, you know, wingers taking it down and taking the, the defender on one-on-one and scored, but, you know, Smith has got that in his locker, and he's done a great job, um, and he's not the only one as well. Um, Rhys James has certainly stepped up as well in that position and I think Darren Moore has just looked at it looked at the players he's brought in as well and I think he's maybe had this plan for a while I think we've done well to hold on I'll go back and we've done well to hold on to Whiteman for as long as we did maybe the pandemic helped that a little bit and just as well he's just a good character who had a lot of affinity for the club I think uh, the club have held on until they got the you know couple of million that they wanted for him or near enough um, and I think Darren has prepared in advance for Whiteman leaving one by coaching players like Smith and James, into some of his duties. And as well, uh, Bostock and Robertson, I know, were both long-term targets for him. Uh, we brought them in in January. Um, he wanted Robertson in the summer and he ended up going to Gillingham. Yeah. Uh, Bostock, I know, he spoke to Bostock after his uh, loan at Nottingham Forest ended and said, you know, if there's an opportunity to come in, maybe, to replace Whiteman, do you fancy it? And he has ended up fancying it. Um, so I think he's going to look to retool it. It didn't work tonight, I will say that. But let's give him time to get up to speed. I think he's looking for a combination. And I think some combination of Bostock, Smith and Robertson is probably going to be the way forward for us in terms of playmaking and, and driving the team on with possession. Because I, I think we still want to be a possession football team. Uh, we haven't really been it for the last couple of games. But I think that's more to do with the opposition that we've come up against. Oxford and Lincoln certainly like to play with the ball and, uh, and have made sure that they were the team dominating possession, which is fair enough. But we won those games. Um, and I think Darren Moore has, has got a vision of how to move on from Ben Whiteman. And I'm happy to go along with it. And I'm sure the fans are, because so far it's looked like it could work. It just needs a little bit of uh, refining, shall we say. I think we spoke before about um, Darren Moore and the success that he'd had sort of prior to the run that he'd had. And, and I said that you worried that he might go elsewhere because he's already done, he's already been at West Brom in the division above. And I think. I think almost universally, most people agree that was quite a harsh sacking. And I know West Brom fans yeah. might disagree because uh, Billich got them up and so on and so forth. But it did seem at the time pretty harsh. Um, he's gone to Donny, he's done well. Do you worry that if the 
good run continues and a championship team Saxon manager, a lower end Premier League team Saxon manager, they might start looking at him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's inevitable, isn't it, at this level? Uh, I think if you're not in the Premier League or the Championship, but even when you are, I mean, even lower end Premier League teams have got, you know, I mean, nearly every vacancy now, people are talking about Harsen Hurtle and they did it before with Eddie Howe and Sean Dyche and etc. Most clubs, as it is with the best players, as it is, you know, as it has been with Whiteman, uh, and as you know, with players, you know, soft made like Josh Madger, you know, it's it's going to happen inevitably. If they perform better than the level they're at, and teams at the high level are going to come. And uh, Darren Moore, for me, I think he's bought into the project here. Uh, he likes Doncaster. You know, he obviously he's lived here before when he were a player, and he, he really bought into the community ethos of the club. Um, so for me, I think he's committed to the project. So I think it'll take a good a good offer to tempt him away. But I, I do think it's possible that that will come. Um, he was linked in, in the bookies with a Sheffield Wednesday job. That That's that's not for me no. one that had ever interest him. And I don't ever think there were anything to it. Um, and again, when, when the Barnsley job became available, people said, well, he used to play for Barnsley. Maybe we'll go there. And it's like, nah, come on. Uh, he, he's looking higher than that, I think. I think, I'm, you know, he's ambitious and he's certainly got the ability, in my opinion, to coach at the higher level and, and be a Premier League manager. I think he's already shown that he can maybe do that if he gets the right project and the right job. It'll take the right thing coming along. Um, one day, I think he will leave us for a better team. I don't think it'll be any other reason why he would leave. Um, we just hope that he stays to get us up and uh, put us on a good footing, hopefully, you know, this year or next to, to you know, set us up maybe a bit better than we've been in the past in the Championship when a manager's left or when, you know, a big player's left. And yeah. It's all gone a bit pear-shaped. Absolutely. Talking about managers, um, I touched on it a little bit before when we discussed the previous game. I think I spoke about um, how well you nailed the Phil Parkinson appointment. So I was quite interested in, well, you got that right. I think most of us did, but it was interesting to hear it from a a neutral perspective from someone who maybe isn't involved with the club on a day-to-day basis, like, you know, I saw. Um, Obviously, he's gone. We've then brought in Lee Johnson, who... uh, I'm not sure of him just yet, but I don't want to judge too soon. But what did you make of the appointment of Lee Johnson? Yeah, I feel like it, you know, when I saw it, it was one that made sense. It wasn't it wasn't one of the first names I was thinking of really for the Sunderland job, but it was one that kind of fits. I, I know I said last time, and I know we agreed, and I'm sure a lot of fans agree that Sunderland have made the mistake with Parkinson and with Grayson of of becoming bogged down in the EFL of it all. <laughs> and um, you know, bringing in managers with a lot of experience and some promotions in the EFL. Whereas, in my opinion, as I said last time, Sunderland need to be looking at a manager who's got something a bit different, maybe either a bit higher pedigree or just something that marks them out as a bit different from the -the run-of-the-mill, you know, 40-something-year-old white middle-aged English managers. Because there's plenty of them to go around. Most of them uh, have been in the EFL for 15, 20 years for a reason. And on the face of it, Lee Johnson maybe is another one of those. But from what I've always thought of Lee Johnson, he is a manager who's a bit more modern than some of them, certainly than Simon Grayson. I say that on the night that we've handed Simon Grayson his first winner's Fleetwood manager. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think it might be a decent appointment. And I think he can get you out of League One. Maybe not this season. We'll see. No, don't but, think so. No, but... We'll see. I don't know how the recruitment's going to be. I'm not too sure if he's going to be a driving force or not. Maybe not. Um, you know, that's going to be a big factor, as it always is at this level, especially for teams with the bigger budgets, especially after today's news as well about the salary caps. Um, I think Johnson might be a good appointment, but it's definitely one of those where it's like it might be, not how it is. You know, 
When we appointed Darren Moore, I think everybody said, in and out of the club, that's a good appointment. He'll do well there. Lee Johnson, he might do well. I don't think it's a, a terrible idea. but um, And I can see what you're going for by appointing him. But it's going to take some time to build an identity. Uh, it might take a transfer window or two. Certainly, obviously, any takeovers and things of that nature will, will have an effect as well. What is Sunderland's identity as a, as a playing team now? I don't, I don't know if you've got one. And I don't... I was thinking the same myself. I don't know. Obviously, we're speaking in, and I think po- people can probably tell my de- by my demeanour. We're talking directly after something just got beat <laughs> off Shrewsbury. But again, I don't want to judge anyone too quick. But um, I don't see a great deal of difference from things in the past. Even going back as far as Jack Ross is just a bit all rightish. I, I don't know if we're a passing team, or attacking team, a defensively solid team, or long ball team I can't I can't quite decide and we we really do we lack a lot of things and I think identity has been one of them for a long time yeah I think yeah well and that's when I watched Lee Johnson's Bristol City team a few times you know it were maybe not a case of no identity but just a case of the the way that they're trying to play other teams are doing it better I think that was maybe the case in the championship um it might not be the case in League One now if he does the same kind of thing here at Sunderland. But once you get to that next level again, getting ahead of ourselves. But again, is he going to be the right manager at that time? For me, when I was on about it before with Parkinson, you ideally want to appoint a manager in League One who you can see being the manager in the Premier League. Yes, yeah. getting ahead of yourself. But that is something to aim for. And never in a million years did I imagine Phil Parkinson or Simon Grayson managing a Premier League team. Just, no. just never. Um, just do not see that. Lee Johnson again... Uh, do I see that? Maybe not. Maybe not. So what's the idea longer term? Maybe it'll change if you do have this takeover, you know, properly. But uh, you need a long term ambition that has its roots in the short term thinking. So uh, easier said than done, certainly from armchair pundits like myself. But yeah, it's definitely a wait and see and, and maybe have to bear with it this season because I'm, I'm not sure it's going to come together that quickly. No, I, I really don't think so. Hopefully, I'm proved wrong. I would love nothing more than that. But I, yeah, I think you're pretty much bang on again there. But do you have any serious worries about any of Sunderland's players? Like any, anyone you think could damage you? Individually as players, no. And I think I said that last time, similar really. Yes, there are some good players in there, but blow away quality, not really. McGeady was where I was going to start. I mean, he's he's far too good for this league. Uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, I say it about Sims and I'll say it about McGeady. I think he's clearly a quality football player and uh, one of those players who, you know, when you give him the chance to do something, you, you're making a rod for your own back as an opposing team because he's going to punish you, which you get a lot more in the Championship and certainly in the Premier League and at this level, not as much of. So he stands out in that regard. Um, you know, I've got some Everton fans in my family, so I've seen McGeady play a fair bit before and uh, I always liked him. I think he's he's quite a, a busy player and, and someone who will cause nightmares for our defenders. So probably him. Charlie Wyke, obviously, is in great goal-scoring form. I'd love to know what changed for him. Uh, God knows. You know, God knows. Uh, I couldn't tell you. But he's doing something he hasn't done for a while. He still kind of weirdly looks like Charlie Wyke. I think he had a hair transplant, so I'll put it down to that. I think it's the hair transplant. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Um, I mean, it worked for Wayne Rooney, didn't it? Gave him Confidence a few more years. is a big thing, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he looks a totally different player. He looks more like the player I thought he was going to be when he was at Carlisle now, doesn't he? But, um, yeah, you, you know, they're the two for me. It's attacking threats I'm going to look at more than defensive players anyway uh, for Donny mm-hmm. at the moment because 
uh, I think we're always capable of scoring goals. And, you know, I saw you had a big injury tonight yourself. I mean, our captain went down. He might be out at the weekend, Anderson, but you had a, a bad injury tonight, I think, from what I briefly saw yeah. um, to one of your defenders. So Jordan Willis probably our best centre-half as well. But he's yeah. been been having the injuries for ages. I think he's been playing with injections. And lo and behold, he's went and done his patella. So yeah, is anyone... It's gutting. Who's who's surprised? I suppose that's the annoying thing. Sunderland fans are worse, and then when it happened, we all kind of said, "Well, that's been coming for a while." So yeah, um, but yeah, big injury nonetheless. It's good to yeah. Well, I mean, you know, maybe that and maybe uh, what's happened to Tom Anderson for us tonight might make a difference. It might be a goal feast at weekend, uh, but you know, probably not. It never is normally between these two sides. But no. yeah, McGeady and White. If if they're both on form and both playing as they have been playing from what I've seen, then we're going to be having a tough afternoon and again Anderson if he's missing I mean basically for those who've not seen um, uh, he took a punch to face from his own goalkeeper early on from coming out for a corner I mean he absolutely clattered him unfortunately spark out on the floor uh, and he had to go straight off but uh, he, he's, a, he's a tough lad I will say that Tom Anderson he's a great defender uh, he really makes a big difference for us I think he's our only player who played every minute of the season until tonight so if, if he's missing and he can't marshal White as he did last season at the Stadium of Light, then that's going to be a bother for us as well. We have got some other good defenders, Joe Wright, Andy Butler, um, are very good defenders as well, but Anderson really ties it all together defensively. So I am a bit concerned about how we're going to deal with uh, White, McGeady, Gooch, if he plays, certainly. Um, yeah, uh, but for me, Sunderland as a team, again, I always look at the team and think, could be a bit better, could be, you know. Um, so... They're the individuals for me. I think defensively for Sunderland, we can get at you. And I'm hoping that Richard starts and I hope that Okinabir um, is fit enough to play a full game because I think they'll cause Sunderland's defence a lot of problems and particularly the goalkeeper as well. Another one who used to play, he had a cup of coffee here as well at Rovers under uh, Darren Ferguson, one of the many brief loan signings who did not a lot. So <laughs> just put crosses and you'll drop them. Final question as always, um, I'll give my prediction I think you can probably tell I think it's going to be a defeat because that's what being a football fan's like when you've not long lost a game or not won in a while so I want to say 1-0 um, you touched on it before there's not been a great deal of goals in our games I think 2-1's the most which was last year when Maguire scored down at the uh, the keep mode. so I think 1-0 Donny uh, we've not been very good at home um, if I was a Donny fan I'd be more excited about playing Sunderland away from home than I am at home, if there's such a thing in the COVID world. Yeah. But, um, how, how are you seeing Saturday? Yeah, well, I had an answer all lined up, ready to go for this, if we'd beaten Fleetwood, because we never, we've never <laughs> won there. And I think if we'd have won against Fleetwood, a lot of our fans have been saying, if we can even beat Fleetwood, uh, we must be going up this season. But uh, I was going to say, we've only won once at Sunderland, and it was in 1954 in the FA Cup. Um, before even Brian Clough ever played. <laughs> so, a long, long time ago. Um, so, won't rate our chances as brilliant. However, none of that should really matter. Um, I think we must play better than we did tonight against Fleetwood. So for me, uh, I think we may well pull it out again and get back to winning ways. Um, I hope so. I think we're definitely capable of it, as you know, the things we've just touched on. If we can keep McGeady quiet, if we can maybe Marshall Wyke. Uh, I do think you'll probably score, but I'll, I'll go for a 2-1 win to Donny. Um, I think we have got enough players who can damage that defence, especially if Willis is missing now. Um, so I'm going to be optimistic on this one. Surprising because it's only been an hour since the shambolic performance at Fleetwood when I say this. But, yep, uh, let's let's be confident for a change and say we're finally going to get a win over Sunderland because I think we do, you know. I think we do. 
Yeah, I think it would be your first one, wouldn't it, if you won officially? Which yeah, yeah. feels weird because most teams probably have one or two against us now. But um, Adam, thanks as always for popping on. Um, yeah. If anyone has enjoyed the episode, I always forget to do this, but you can subscribe in that. If you don't, it's fine. Don't really care too much. But if you want to get this preview every week, you can subscribe and do all that kind of stuff. Um, Adam, where can we find your stuff as well? Yeah, so it's a uh, website is into the empty net.com. Uh, you know, spelt as you'd expect, and the Twitter and Instagram are both at drfc underscore iten. Um, that's where you can find us uh, every match day and in between as well. Awesome, Adam. Thanks very much as always. Cheers, mate. Yeah, pleasure to be back on again, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season after Saturday. We'll need it.